Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for The Real Deal with Student Pro Connect. Student Pro Connect is a social networking website and app where students, industry professionals, and entrepreneurs can connect, network, and share experiences with one another. Every segment, we feature an industry professional who shares their journey, shares their insight with us, um, gives us advice of you know, how we should move forward in the field. Um, if you haven't done so already, please sign up on our website, www.studentproconnect.com, or you can download our app, which is available both in Google Play as well as the App Store. So without further ado, I'm so excited for our guest. Uh, her name is Sabina Osorio, and she is a Director of Marketing. Hello, Sabina. Hi, Fab. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it. So first of all, so you, I say Director of Marketing, but you're actually Marketing Director. Is there a difference? Huh, that's a great way to start. Let's see. <laughs> Director of marketing versus marketing director. I don't know if there is a difference. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like um, the marketing's directing you. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, but you want to be directing the marketing, right? So yeah. no, I mean, I think that those are kind of interchangeable things unless okay. there's more meaning to that. But okay. I would say no. I think okay. that those, you know what? I used to think that like there was a big difference between head of marketing versus like director of marketing and, and what that looks like um, on paper. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, titles are, are are interesting nowadays. Yeah, yeah. And they mean many different things in different places. So it can mean one thing in one place and something completely different somewhere else. Okay. Absolutely. So I guess, did you always see yourself or did you always want to be a marketing director? No, no. I wanted to be a C CMO. <laughs> So I'm working. I'm working on my way, on my way there. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think when I was younger in my career, I always thought I'm a creative type, right? I've always been drawn to art. I've always been drawn to design. I've always been drawn to video content that told stories. So I pride myself in being a good storyteller and that always ended up being in the marketing field, right? Like mm -hmm. that's kind of where storytellers go to tell stories is in the creative field. So when I started my career, I just thought, wow, I really uh, want to do something that's creative. That's, you know, talking about customers and reaching customers and making business money. I, I like I like the idea of making money, but for the business, not just for myself, obviously. So marketing plays such a role, right? Marketing nowadays, too, is like so different than it was even 10 years ago. Um, and I think when you look back and you're younger, you, you don't picture yourself in, in these specific roles along the journey, but yeah. you always see an end picture in mind. At least I did. Okay. Uh, and, and it was ending up in the C-suite, uh, you know, chief marketing yeah. officer at, at a firm, at a company. And uh, that's that's the end goal for me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited that, you know, it's it, this has been the journey because you, you realize just like in life, Mm -hmm. You have to be in certain positions at certain times to fill the voids, to, to make that puzzle, you know, work in the end. Uh, so, yeah. Well said. Well, with that said, I mean, since you eventually want to be a CMO, I guess when you were going to school, I guess you kind of had that in mind. So what did you major in? Okay, so when I was an undergrad, I majored in 
business administration with the concentration in marketing because again I always kind of knew that that would be something that I would thrive in um, given you know my writing and my creative abilities so I, I kind of wanted to really focus on marketing but I also knew that I had to kind of be a well-rounded business person mm -hmm. um, and then I had like a very minor stint in, in Italian study so I learned Italian while I was in college too which was always fun mm -hmm. um, but I think after that I, I decided okay like this has been great and at the time you know people were really going beyond just their undergrad degrees so I decided to apply for an MBA program at Binghamton University mm -hmm. and that was the best thing I could have done I think that really put that CMO, C-suite mindset into my head because it got me thinking about the business as a whole, the business strategy, how the how the business makes money, how a company would eventually go to be publicly listed, all kinds of things that you learn in business school that you you don't learn in your undergrad classes, right? Uh, but you definitely learn it when you're getting your MBA. And again, I think that focus on revenue, um, I think, is key for any C-suite executive. So. Uh, having that experience in uh, the uh, MBA program, I think, was really valuable for me as well. Okay. Now, were you working when doing your MBA or did you go straight from undergrad straight into MBA? I really felt like if I take a break, I'll never do it. And I, I kind of took my time even getting my undergrad degree because I, again, I fell in love with Italy. So I took the stint to do a short-lived uh, six months in Italy. And I think I didn't want to take that break, but in hindsight, it would have probably been good. You know, I don't, I think I probably would have still gotten my MBA, but uh, I think if I had just taken a semester or a year, I think I would have fallen into the trap of just working and making money and living in New York City and everything that comes with it. Um, so, so no, I went straight from, you know, having my undergrad uh, completed to, to the MBA program the next semester, I think. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So you yeah. would definitely, I guess, advise to just keep going. Don't take a break. I mean, it's whatever works for you. You know what I'm saying? Like life is so different too now, Fab. Like when when we first um, sort of graduated from university many, many moons ago, sadly, um, you know, there wasn't this remote life. This wasn't life as we knew it. Now everyone has very different schedules. Everyone has very different roles that they play in their life, whether that's, you know, a full-time teacher to their young children at home or, you know, trying to work a job remotely while also figuring out childcare. So I would just say that you have to do what works for you, no matter what stage you are in your life. Yeah. If you're the kind of person that's like on a mission, you're, you're going somewhere, this is where you're headed and you don't want to stop then go for it right after. But I think that taking time could also be valuable and could give you, uh, I think, new insight, especially if you use the time well. Mm -hmm. But again, balancing your life, there's so many new programs now available to people to do remote learning, mm -hmm. to take different types of avenues that don't necessarily require a $40,000 MBA. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yes. So, yeah. and I, I ultimately, I always wonder the value of those three letters behind your name. But I, well, I, I think it, I think it gives me weight. That's what I was gonna say. I said that was gonna be my next question. If someone is interested in business overall, would you say the MBA is the way to go? Is it required now? Do you? I mean, would you say based on what you're seeing around you, do most people have an MBA? I don't think so. Okay. And the reason I say that is I think 
now more than ever, especially with the change in education, uh, experience is being viewed as much much more valuable, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think with remote learning, like it's kind of been an, a, a great equalizer where everybody now has access. I think you know the education system as a whole has you know gone undergone much transformation in this past you know two years that we've been under lockdown and living this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think. Uh, I think it is. I think it is something that you, education. I I will always advocate for education, but I do think that work experience sometimes speaks volumes, and it depends on the industry that you're in, right? The more experience you have on social media, for example, if you're looking to get into social media marketing, get be a creator. You don't need an MBA for that. You really don't. I think it depends on where you really want to focus your 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 path and your journey within marketing, because marketing is multifaceted. And not all aspects of it require that level of an education, especially if you know you don't want to get in debt. Exactly, exactly makes total sense.、Um, and I guess in your space, I didn't say this in the very beginning, but you've been in the field for quite some time. So you've been about over ten years, I want to say about ten years or so.、Um, so I mean, even us talking about how things are changing, how has the field changed from when you first entered to now? What changes have you seen? And I mean, how、uh, the role that you have now? How is it different from the role you started in? Oh gosh, that's, that's a loaded, a loaded question. question. <laughs> a lot of follow, a lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack there. Yeah.、Um, okay. Well, the world is just a completely different place than it was ten years ago. Think about it this way: ten years ago, we, I was in, I was still probably, well, yeah, I think. Let's talk twelve, twelve years ago, fourteen years ago, right? When Facebook first came out, everyone talks about、uh, life like before Facebook and after Facebook, right?、Mm-hmm. So I think Facebook changed everything、okay. um, in crazy ways, and that was so young. When I remember, like working at a bed and breakfast of all places, and my boss saying to me, like, "Hey, Sabina, you're into marketing. You think we should do a Facebook page for the business?"、Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh God, no! That's like for people in college, like." <laughs> You don't want to. You don't want to dilute your brand、Man. by being on Facebook. Like this is a premium bed and breakfast. Don't go on Facebook. And now I'm thinking, like, oh my God, she had such foresight to think, should we be doing this, right?、Mm-hmm. And now you can't run a business without being on Facebook.、Mm-hmm. Social is just a key piece to any marketing program that you're running. And it's impossible to ignore. And that's what I think is one of the biggest changes, right? That and the fact that we've all moved to digital. Everything is now digital. You don't do print ads and newspapers, or you know, biweekly、uh, like newsletters. Like it's just that's so ancient now. Everything is online. Everything is a PDF. Everything is downloadable.、Uh, you're 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 buying completely different media sets, right? The impressions that you're looking at, it's all it's all very different.、Um, so yeah, tons has changed in marketing, and that's I think one of the challenges when you're in the space is you have to kind of commit. Early on in your career, to be a lifelong learner,、mm-hmm. to be a marketer, you have to commit to being a lifelong learner because this field changes with consumer demands. It changes with consumer behavior. It changes every day.、Mm-hmm. It feels like you have to. The, the tech stack just gets more advanced. The the, the 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 customer changes. The way they consume media changes. The way they. Are sold to and accept being sold to changes.、Mm-hmm. So I think you have to be you have to buck up and get ready to constantly be learning and keeping up and not letting that get you sort of deterred.、Um, 
because yeah, it's always going to change. And actually that's part of the fun. I think at least the fact that it never gets old, you never feel like you, it's yeah. never boring and yeah. you never feel like you, you know, everything I've yeah. never, I don't think I ever will get there where I feel like I know it all in marketing. No, there is so much, but I think the fundamentals maybe still exist. The fundamentals will never change. It's okay. good storytelling, good content, good content always perseveres and wins. I, and that's my view. So that stayed a constant from the very beginning in all your experience. Yeah, it always was about copywriting. It was always about storytelling. You know, what's the message here? And and I think those fundamentals of, again, focusing on what, what makes good content, what's genuinely helpful to your audience, what's mm-hmm. going to make them feel like, oh, that was a great article or that was a great blueprint to getting this project done or that was a great piece of content about trends that I didn't think I was going to get today. So I think focusing on being a good 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 storyteller but also sharing content and 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 information that really helps your target audience. Yeah. Uh cuz that will give you fans for life and you can use it in so many different ways and you can repurpose it in so many different ways. So I think being really strategic with the content that you're delivering is going to be a fundamental no matter, you know, 10, 15 years from now. That's not going to change. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, when you first started in the marketing field, I guess what industry were you in? So every field, by the way, needs marketing, right? That's a given. Um, so what industry were you in and what industry are you in now? Great question. So Okay. When I first started in marketing, I was in the travel industry and I was obsessed. I loved being in the travel industry. You got to look at beautiful pictures of amazing destinations. You had to write copy about being on a tropical island or, you know, a, a cruise down the Seine River. So it was just a, it was a beautiful sort of space to start your career because you can yeah. see the world. The travel industry gives you a lot of travel perks, a lot of discount trips, a lot of free trips that you can kind of leverage. Uh so I definitely really enjoyed having that be the sort of catalyst in my career to like set me up for for the next role. Um so I was in the travel industry for a long time and I realized, wow, this is a really competitive space and with Expedia, Travelocity, these major technology conglomerates like there's just so many players involved and you're getting a little tiny sliver of that pie. Everybody has to get paid before uh a, an OTA or a, or an actual travel agency gets paid. So I realized I was like the margins here are so thin. This is a really competitive space and I don't love it enough. I kind of had my fill with, you know, visiting fun places and uh leveraging those tr- perks for for work, but I realized I wanted to get in, into an industry that was very different. and i thought a, a well marketer will have changed sort of industries a few times to kind of understand how to sell to different personas how to sell in different industries how to understand different sales cycles uh so i took a stab at financial services because i always was drawn to it and uh i took a position at a company called money 2020 and they are a a major think of it as like the super bowl for financial services events and they focused specifically in payments Um and at the time when I took that role everyone was like what is this a payments event you're going to go work for and I was like yeah man this is the future this is what people are going to be talking about 5 years from now right like I I just knew that an event like that would really put me in a really good position to learn an industry um to learn a new industry for me that I really didn't have much uh insight into before I joined and I thought I was getting into financial services but I was really getting into the event industry 
which was really interesting. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot there. I learned a lot about marketing to very different persona types. Because when you think about an ecosystem show like like Money 2020, it's a payments show. But in order for one payment transaction to happen, there's a dozen or so players. In that one transaction, so talk about splitting yeah. the pieces of that pie. Yeah. And so much happens in the three seconds that you swipe your card or that you even tap your, your phone to pay with your Google Pay or Apple Pay. So much happens in those critical three、mm-hmm. seconds, and that makes it a critical ecosystem, right? So there's so many players. You've got banks, you've got payment、yeah. gateways, you've got processors, you've got hardware players, and that's just to name a few, right? So、yeah. um, it, it definitely was a an interesting. Sort of environment to be in because I learned a lot about the different personas in this whole ecosystem, which is the payments industry.、Um, and then that's kind of where I landed. I was like, I'm sick of being on the sidelines. I want to be an active part of this industry, and I want to take a job at a fintech, at a payments company. So in comes WorldNet Payments, and I've been there. For about five months, and it's like it's been a learning curve,、it's、like never. Amazing, you know. I think what's really,、uh, I think, interesting in your story is it wasn't intimidating to you.、Um, it's actually what drew you to some a field that was kind of up and coming. It's not like a field, like you said, most people didn't even know what that was, and it seems like that drew you to it more than kind of pushed you away.、Um, so, oh yeah, I think when 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 Money Twenty Twenty first started, nobody knew what fi- the word fintech、yeah. was. It wasn't a word. People didn't say fintech as like a, a verb. Like it was, it just it was it didn't exist.、Exactly. So it was interesting that you know that and you know we we talk about the early days of, like Bitcoin,、yeah. right? Like we were one of the first companies to talk about Bitcoin. So it's interesting that. I, I wasn't intimidated by that.、Um, I really was more intimidated by the scale of it all. I didn't realize that it was a eleven, twelve thousand person event. It's like、mm-hmm. such a big deal, and that scale was intimidating to me. To know that in a in a few in a few days, so much business got done, and、yeah. so many conversations were facilitated, and you you really brought together key players in the space to. Connect, have critical meetings that they could then bring things forward. And ta-da! Here we are today.、Wow. Those are common dictionary words that everybody's familiar with.、Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say can be intimidating about the financial services industry is being a woman in financial services and being a woman of color in financial services.、Uh, it's it's traditionally been a very male-dominated space, and that's kind of one of the points I wanted to get across today to your audience is. Don't be intimidated by that. It's a field that, yeah, you're gonna have to maybe get a learning curve under you and do some research and buckle down and, and kind of be humbled by it and learning. But it's doable. And once you get that past that phase, it's like a really exciting space to be in. It really is. You're, you're talking about something that's so taken for granted. Payments, like nobody likes to talk about it. It's just like whatever. It should just work, right? It should just happen. And you get to play a critical role in that, and nothing would happen without that payment transaction being facilitated. So, I think、um, I encourage more women to get involved, and I think it can seem like a very tech-heavy space, but everything can be learned. That's what I've learned. You could we could figure it all out. You will learn it. Yeah.、Um, so we need more women. We need more women of color represented because、yeah. ultimately, these are the banks. These are the payment. Processors, the gateways that are repre- that are serving our community—they're they're the ones that are facilitating payments across the board. 
So it's important that that the that the leaders in these companies represent their end users. Yes, definitely. And I think that was going to go into my question about what's most rewarding, and you kind of just touched on it already. Um, you know, it's what is what would you say is most rewarding for you in your role right now? Well. Me and my role right now, I think what's become really rewarding is being able to mold something at a critical stage, right? So World Net Payments is at a stage where they are in scale mode, right? And when you look at a company, it's exciting when they're in that phase, right? Because things are finally taken care of. Like they have worked out all the kinks in their payments gateway and they're processing millions of dollars in revenue. And it's exciting, right? Because you get to be a part of something that's kind of take off, hopefully. And it will, um, but to to be able to lead the marketing behind that, and to have sort of your vision come to life with a you know a rebrand or creative assets or sales enablement documents like that that kind of stuff really excites me. Um, but ultimately, I think the most rewarding part always does come back to the customers, right? Being able to help our customers win, being able to help our customers accept different forms of payment. You know, COVID changed everything, and it also changed the way people pay. So now people don't carry cash. Like people don't want to even get their debit or credit card out. People don't want to insert it. They want to tap to pay with their card. They want to get their, you know, Apple Watch. Yeah. They want to pay with their Google Pay on their device. Like so. What 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 excites me is that we get to help our customers make more money by allowing them to accept all these different forms of payment. So it's not just you know a cashier. Or a check, or you know, it's, it's like you're now opening up your services and your products to so many more people yeah. who are paying in a lot of different ways, yes. and and it just makes it uh, really rewarding that you can help people uh, grow their business, which is exactly what we're doing. That's awesome. Um, now, did you have any mentors along the way? Were mentors helpful to you at all? They're critical. Okay. And I do want to touch on this because I'm not sure if you you guys have covered it here at Student Pro Connect, but there's definitely a difference between a mentor and a sponsor, right? And I think that's a common theme. But I will say that having mentors is so critical, so critical. And you know what? People love being a mentor too. So it's a it's a it's a two way street that gives them a lot of value. But also gives you a ton of value in return, right?、Um, and I think that you have to think of mentors very strategically. You want people who genuinely are invested in you, and you'll realize along your career trajectory that there's a different mentor for a different season, season stage of your life. And you don't, and you don't lead those mentors be- like you know, you don't forget about them—the ones、yeah. that served you five years ago, six、yeah. years ago. Yes. But you just build on your network. You build on those mentors, and they evolve and they start playing different roles.、Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's critical. It's critical that you look for a mentor, and it's also critical that you look for an advocate inside your company.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I first joined WorldNet, I did a lot of you know interviewing the team, who's who, who who plays where, what is what is happening in each person's department, who can I relate to here, who can I. Have a really honest, raw conversation with, and look for sponsorship in that person. Ask them. I want you to be my internal sponsor and advocate here within this organization to help me win.、That's、I think you can help me win here, and you would be surprised. People love.、Wow. People love to hear that, and it's not、yes. just flattery. Like if you、yes. really take them up on that, and you really push them to be that role for you, they will speak up. In your behalf, when you're not there, they will think of you differently because you tapped them for that honor, and I think that that's a key piece too. So sponsors versus advocates versus mentors.、Um, 
And I think that they all play very different roles at different points in your career. Okay. Now, what would you say to someone who's trying to get into the marketing field right now? Um, you know, let's say whether it's kind of just new to the field or even changing careers. So many people are changing careers now as well. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So what I think it's the best time. It's the best yeah. time to get into How marketing. How do they go about it? How do they go about it? And, you know, there's a lot of marketing positions out there, I think, which we're going to touch on in a second, but those misconceptions, right? A lot of marketing people think it's just sales and, you know, like you said, it's multifaceted. So how do they get into the field? What do they look for? What, are, what steps can they take? I think it starts inside. You have to be introspective before you can really look outside. So you've got to ask yourself, okay, marketing has so many different realms. Like you could be... You could be a digital marketer, you could be a content creator, you could be um, so social media marketing only, you could be, there's so many different pieces of it. You could be marketing operations where you're fully involved in the tech stack and understand how to submit, you know, briefs through and campaigns through HubSpot or um, Marketo or these big tech platforms. Be a, you could be a Salesforce expert. Like, I think you have to know yourself to kind of fully know what direction to take. And if you find that you're a great writer, Look at copywriting, look at careers in content creation, look at careers in content strategy. Um, if you're, you know, if your calling is really a bit more technical, again, the tech stack behind marketing is constantly changing. AI is playing a new role in, 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 in marketing in terms of copy and SEO. So I think that it's about knowing yourself. And if you feel like, oh, I'm a creative type, I love to create, I love to write, I love, you know, ad design or I think you could find a, a role in that, but it starts with knowing yourself first and knowing your strengths, which is kind of sometimes hard to know. Yeah. Um, but I think it's about dabbling, right? And 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 I think the world we live in is so great because you could literally Google search anything. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, which I have to say is like a gift and a curse because when you do Google something, you get so much. It's like taking in all that information. How do you decipher all of that? Yeah, I guess that's a really good point, but I, I think what, to, what what might help with that is to also find sort of mentors or not maybe not mentors, but sorry, I would mean uh, like industry figureheads to follow, yes. right? Because yeah. I think that's a key piece too. And that might not fall into that mentor, you know, advisor, whatever category, but it's definitely people that you could look for. So I follow a few people in the industry. So I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. I, I love his style. He's a New Yorker. He's he curses. He's just totally my vibe. Um, so I follow him. I also follow Seth Gooden. I think he's just brilliant, you know? So, so, so look for people that you're gravitated towards because, yeah. because the content that they put out could yeah. speak to you and it could sort of help guide you in, in, in your path of where to focus. And um, it's good to have different sort of people in each one of those buckets, right? Because um, like Gary, for example, talks a lot about social and the value of social media. And you've got Seth, who just talks about content marketing and, and what makes things trend and what makes things go viral based off of your content. So um, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I think that you need to look for advice from, from experts. Everyone's done it before. That's the thing. Everyone has done it before. Just yes. do some research and see who's really good in this field, who's really good in this section of marketing and try to see what their content looks like. What, what, what are they putting out? What are they like? And kind of learn from them. Exactly. And I think that's kind of 
that brings us to an end too because i think that's the whole point of something like this just getting hearing someone's story can help guide you it can you know give you some type of you get something you can relate to it and you kind of like oh i can do that or i didn't know i didn't realize that this was even possible um and so i think that's really what student pro connect is all about of you know hearing people's stories it's not a straight line right so um i think a lot of people when you do google and you see all the steps but you don't realize there's so many other sub steps underneath those steps so i think hearing those stories are just so important um so what would be and let's close with your advice what would be a piece of advice that you would give um anybody interested in the field or anything you could offer at this stage what have you learned and what can you give us i would say fear fear is one of those things that you have to learn to manage yeah. uh, or else you're just never going to do anything right because fear can be stifling fear can be paralyzing um and i remember when i first joined money 2020 and when i first joined worldnet i was like oh my god like it it felt like I, I'm gonna fail, that imposter syndrome, all of that fear, that's just fear. And that's very normal, uh, but get past that. Say, no, I could do it. I think uh, I think the idea of talking yourself into the, the right outcomes. A lot of times you think in your head, oh, what's gonna happen? And you think of the worst possible scenario. Well, apparently that's a muscle in your brain and you can train it to think what's the best possible scenario yes. and think about that. And if you do that enough times, you start to see the best possible scenario playing out more and more and more. And that fear starts to go away because you're only thinking about this is the best possible scenario that could happen. And odds are it'll go that way. Uh, so I would say, forget the fear, learn to manage it, talk that imposter off your shoulder and go for it. I mean, listen, you only do this once. You only get this this time once. I think don't waste it. I think just be fearless. Give it your all and half of half the battle is showing up. Exactly. exactly. Just show up. Some you'd be surprised. Yep. Just showing up yep. makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing and I think that's great advice. I think fear is is definitely a huge um, inhibitor. People just they they hold themselves back because they're fearful and i think some of the greatest if we look at most the most successful people in our society they got over that fear and i think if you feel fear it's probably because you're doing something good you're probably doing something that's that takes courage and that's what will bring you success so snaps for that yeah. yes so fear means courage yes 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 so thank you so much sabina you have given us great insight. We love your story. Um, thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, again, please be sure to sign up, download our app. Um, you can find Sabina, find other professionals, find entrepreneurs, students. If you're a mentor, you want to give back. This is a great way to do it. Share your story, um, you know, make an impact. Uh, thanks for tuning in everyone. Stay tuned for our next show. Thanks. Bye. Bye.